there was a part of me that basically worried that a world in which uh, Google was literally the only search engine on the planet was one that was just fundamentally evil. What would the internet look like without targeted ads? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Veterinary Business Success Show, part of the VEDEX Leaders Community Online. In each episode, we explore ideas and subjects you can use to manage your veterinary practice better and be a better leader. I'm your resident asker of questions, Brendan Howard, and today the internet visionary with me is Sridhar Ramaswamy, who used to be VP of ads for Google and now has co-founded a new search engine, Neva.com, that users can pay for and that doesn't sell ads to companies to show up in search results. But that's crazy. Right now, veterinary hospitals spend time and money trying to boost SEO, get into those results, pay to show up first. What would it look like if that went away? Sridhar, where'd this idea come from? I joke to people that I'm a reformed academic. I got a PhD from Brown University, worked for a bunch of research labs on the East Coast, including the famous Bell Labs, where the transistor was uh, invented. It's a little town Mm -hmm. in uh, Jersey called Murray Hill and came out to the valley about 20 years ago. I went through a dot-com boom and bust uh, startup (laughs) and then joined Google uh, early 2003 as an engineer. Young company, but still a rocket ship. A five-year-old company was on track to make, if I remember correctly, like $1.6 billion. I managed to, you know, entirely by luck and accident, find a job in the search ads team, one of the greatest businesses ever in humanity's history. And so we went from making $1.6 billion a year when I joined to more than $100 billion the year I left in 2018. So I grew with the team, got to manage that team, got to manage uh, all of ads, and uh, before finally leaving to start Neva late 2018. You kind of presented a very humble, and there was luck involved, and, and it was the help of other people. What was it like to be there for that growth period? Personally, what did it feel like? Was it crazy busy? Was it insane? Was it, I don't know. The early years of Google honestly felt like a time of infinite opportunity. That's like, I think my sort of, you know, biggest memory. And it was not that everybody was like working like uh, crazy or things like that. The company had a soul to it. They were uh, very proud of Google search, the product of how good it just was. It was the palpable pride in the product. Honestly, it was the same with my search ads team. We took pride in not showing ads for, um, you know, that were not relevant to a query. Things like relevance were a big deal. There was this sense that we were part of something incredible, but also this drive for uh, excellence in what we stood for, both in the search team, Brendan, but also in the search ads team. This kind of eroded over time. This was the time of things like uh, things like don't be evil. Yeah. This was also the time of the positive Gmail, which took the world by storm, offering technical capabilities that were like completely unmatched at the time. But this was also the beginning of Hubris. This was when we launched uh, Google Books, and the entire world rose up in revolt. Uh, similar to how search was done. The founders basically said, we're going to scan every book on the planet and make it part of Google Books. And a bunch of people are like, wait, we don't think you should be doing this. Um, so that was the <laughs> beginning of how like ambition 
can really go off the rails and it was like slow from there but the early memories oh my god we are basically printing money we can hire whoever we want we can do no wrong and we look we are like a happy puppy we're like this nice company we are changing the world it's all positive so that sounds completely beautiful so then in 2018 when i'm sure google was still printing money you and somebody else came started concocting idea for something different so what was this different thing that you started thinking about it was a slow change and there were many steps along the way you know at one level you know we had like obliterated that's not the word i'd use if i were inside google all competition when it came to search we had successfully fought off bing which was a minor player we had conquered the world with chrome and made sure that we starved people like yelp uh, to nothingness uh, this was a this was a local player there was a part of me that basically worried that a world in which uh, Google was literally the only search engine on the planet was one that was just fundamentally evil. And people are like, really, like you're part of this company. How can you say that? And my point is like, imagine that one commercial company supplied water for every human being on the planet. And it was a well-intentioned company, let's say. I asked people, okay, why don't you play this record forward for 10 years and tell me what's going to come out? Google is that. It's a part of me that went like, wait, this is just entirely too big. And then part two was, I was not really happy being in ads anymore. We had gone through 15 years of relentless optimization. All the yeah. clickbait in the internet, you can ascribe actually to the ads model. It's sort of an entire generation of the smartest technologists on the planet worked on how do we get people to click on more ads? How do we get people to click on links? Because when people spend time on your site, you got to spend them more ads. There was a part of me that basically said, you know, I don't want to deal with this. This is not the thing that I want to be a part of. I want to imagine a different future in which technology serves people, in which I am able to say without reservations that the product that I'm working on is genuinely about making things better. But I wanted to be commercial. I didn't want to start a nonprofit because I fundamentally felt that you could not attract great talent to a nonprofit technology company. I have a huge amount of respect for people that work in nonprofit. These are dedicated people. I didn't want to do that because I wanted to maximize the chance of success. So Neva is a search engine, but it is a search engine that you wish Google were. It is all about you and about showing you the best results. We turn to search for all kinds of things. When we have a headache, we're gonna type like migraine headache. What do I do about this? or when you want to buy something, uh, search, people talk of it as the ultimate truth serum. Whenever we go on social media, all of us are happy, successful people. You know, all of those weird fears that we have, oh my God, I have like this itch that won't go away. That's what you put into your search engine. Or, you know, you have like a pet that's unhappy. You know, that's when you're like, okay, what do I do? And so we wanted to create a product that was about the best results all the time. And we're very open about the fact that we want to be paid by customers. We think that is what assures long-term alignment. We believe in capitalism, but not the kind of unfettered winner-take-all capitalism. We want to go back to like product-serving people. Everything that we use, whether it's a microwave or a computer uh, or a car, we're once the privy of only the very wealthy among us, but it's really capitalism that made it available for everybody. Technology is even better. If you can create a product for 100 million people, you can do it for a billion people. So that's what Neva is about. It's ads free and private because we want to be all about serving you query after query. And yes, we are a subscription product. 
We think this is a daily use product. We can pack a lot into the $50 a year or $5 a month sort of subscription. So we think of ourselves as really a very different kind of technology company. That's all about putting you, the user, the customer first. We take a what is right for Brandon approach to search. I'm curious, yeah, how do you do that? So for example, when you look for a product, we prioritize reviews. We think you should get to know the product that you're trying to buy uh, or just merely curious about and learn. Google is driven by commercial interest. If you put a product, they're going to flood the page with links where you can buy the product from because that's the only thing that they care about. If you look for headphones, you will see this cacophony of retailers all trying to grab your attention. You will see $300 headphones next to a $50 headphone. It's like, it's not a way in which any rational person actually should make these kinds of decisions. So in something like that, for example, they're like, oh, we're going to show reviews so you can see like the top 20 best recommended headphones for you to just compare. Of course, the retailers are there, but it's, it's a matter of priority. We want to be useful and informational before we are like go straight into the commercial aspect of it. Similarly, when you look for health queries, it's outrageous. But if you look for something like migraine headache, Google actually shows ads in which you cannot even see the name of the site that you're going to go to. A lot of us use the website domain name as the ultimate arbiter of trust. And Google basically says prescription website when you look for you know, a whole bunch of medical queries. On the other hand, if you come to Neva, we'll make it really easy for you to look at nonprofits, to look at like the leading hospitals that tell you useful things that you want to know about migraine headaches. We, we like lower the priority of uh, you know, sites like WebMD, Dungamira, they are helpful. But on the other hand, it's an ad model. It's all about trying to get you to click. I joke to people that regardless of what symptom I have, if I go to WebMD, five minutes later, I will conclude that I have cancer and I'm going to die in six months. <laughs> that's at the bottom of everything. You know why? Because that's what gets the clicks. They appeal to our fears. They appeal to our insecurities. While we are like, oh, why don't you check out this page on Mayo Health Clinic? It's probably authoritative about migraine headaches. It's really that tone of surface trustworthy information, uh, surface useful information, put the person that is doing the search first, not appeal to their worst instincts, not appeal to like this need to buy. And by the way, as part of Neva, we also ship what are called uh, tracking blockers. If you install our extension or if you use our browser, the behavior that you have as you, you know, traverse the internet becomes invisible to other people. You know, those ads that chase you on social media, the instant you try and search for something, they're a thing of the past if you use our extension on desktop. Why do we do this? We think you should be in charge. It's about giving that agency back to you. And so we take all of these, wrap them up into rare guidelines and you know, train our machine learning algorithms on top of this stuff. But it's basically somebody taking the mindset of what is helpful, what is useful, what is authoritative when it comes to what Brendan is looking for. It's not what's going to drive the maximum number of clicks, what makes revenue for me right now. Because we are in a subscription model, we are about delivering long-term value to you. That just profoundly affects how we think about the product. Today's show is brought to you by Vetex International. Now, are people the major pain point in your practice? If so, you're not alone. 
Over 90% of managers report staff problems to be their number one issue. 